This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Secret place prayer. We see in Psalms 91, we saw that Jesus referred to Psalms 91. In fact, Jesus walked in Psalms 91 while he was on the earth. And he talked about the secret place. And I mentioned... A couple weeks ago that I had a, a dream, part of it was a dream that I was awake, that I had this dream and it was an alarm going off like on a, a, a Navy uh, battleship. I mean, it was just a, a, a warning, alarm to get up. I heard this, I knew it was the Lord waking me up to pray and uh, me, a great man of faith, said, Lord, can I sleep some more? And put my head back on the pillow. <laughs> Went to sleep. And uh, not for long, though, because here it came again. And it's just this uh, alarm. It, it, it's so, so loud. And I heard, get up, Bob. Get up. Oh, I'm up. I, I know this time I was up. But when I woke up and got up, the alarm was still going off. And uh, it made me just, you know, look around and, and then it stopped. So I say it was a dream, and then it became after the dream. And I started praying. That's when um, Rob and, and Sean were around the country, and so I'm praying for them and grandkids, and, and then the, the church and church family, and just it was no, uh, nothing that the Lord just said this. And, and then later on realized it was it's for all of us to wake up. We need a prayer life. You need to get to the secret place and you need to pray. These are dangerous times. In the days that we live in, we need to be people of prayer. Because it's those that dwell in the secret place that get the protection of Psalms 91. If you're not dwelling in the secret place, you won't hear his voice. And he wants us to be protected because he loves us. And he has a job for us to do while we're here in this earth. So that's how this kind of came about, uh, this message in this series. And I'm going to talk about really new covenant prayer because many times I hear prayer and uh, people are praying old covenant. It doesn't even fit. And they're praying amiss and don't even realize it. And we're praying for things that God's already given us. And we need to, to wise up. We need to understand what the Scripture says. So uh, some of this will be a review for some of you. Some of it will be new. Um, I think everyone will hear something new in it somewhere. But we need to be those that pray. Why? Because prayer gives God legal access into the lives of men. It gives him opportunity because we have been given the place of authority in the earth. So for him to, to work in the earth, he has to flow through someone giving him authority to do that. That's us. Lift up your hand and say, that's me. We're the body of Christ. God flows through us. So in Job 21 verse 15, it says... Who is the Almighty that we should serve Him? And what profit do we have if we pray to Him? 
We live in a generation where people don't understand that it's a profit to pray. That there's many that will say, I did this, I did this. Well, all I've got left to do is, I guess all I can do is pray. And many times I say, well, has it come to that? I mean, has it really come to that point? Oh, I, I feel, oh, my heart's heavy for you. I hurt for you. It's come down to prayer. Well, we got to put prayer first. Prayer should be first. And it's the most powerful thing that you can do is to pray. Now, I talked about couple weeks ago, prayer's not all in all. Prayer's not everything. You have to be obedient to what he tells you to do. You still have to do some things. It, people are not saved through the prayers of the saints, through the foolishness of preaching. You still have to witness. You still have to reach out to people. You still have to do things. Uh, I heard a Christian businessman uh, speaking, and uh, he said that in, in his restaurants, which he owns several, he said that he just hires heathens. And I started laughing. He just hires heathens. I thought, well, he's going to say that he's going to get them saved or witness to them or something. Because he said, every time the Lord tells me to do something, they don't like them. Some of them will quit. Some of my upper management because they don't understand because it some of it doesn't make a lot of sense. And... Uh, he said, no, the reason I have heathens is because all the Christians, all they want to do is sit in the corner and pray and not work. Hurt my feelings. <laughs> it shouldn't be that way. We should be the best workers. We should be a blessing to our employer. What about our business? We should be praying. We should be a blessing I believe Christians want to pray. I believe many don't understand the power that's there or don't know how to pray. And last time, several of you had some questions, and let me just say that uh, through this series, I'll be touching on those things, and you get some understanding um, of that introduction of some things, because I talked about a lot of things, but, but you'll see. Many are praying from an Old Testament model when we're new covenant believers. You know, the disciples tarried for the Holy Spirit. It was uh, from Passover to Pentecost, 50 days. And Jesus showed himself on the earth for 40 days. He's in the grave for three days, so it's 43. So they tarried for seven days. We think they tarried for... Just this tremendous amount of time. You know, I've heard people say they tarried 50 days. No, they didn't. It was seven days. Then the Holy Spirit came. But you know, we have whole denominations that are built around praying and tarrying for the Holy Spirit to come. He's come. How do you know He's come? People are getting saved. <laughs> he ha he's here. But I can't tell you how many times I've been with people and they're praying, Lord, send the Holy Spirit. Do something. Send the Holy Spirit. He has sent the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. 
Now, I, I admit, I, I've done some of these same things I'm talking about, so I'm not getting off by. I'm just throwing out some things to, to help us. <clears throat> so we're not waiting for the Holy Spirit. In fact, we're not waiting on God for anything. Jesus sat down. He's finished. It is finished. You're not waiting on God. He's waiting on you. Well, I wish God would just heal me. I wish God would do this, that. He's already done it. He's done it. (laughs) The Old Testament model to get healed was more about finding God's will. In the New Testament, it says we were by the stripes of Jesus. We were healed. So I'm not trying to get God to heal me. He's already done it. I'm trying to get myself in a position to receive what he's already done. It's a huge difference. One is in faith. The other one is in doubt and unbelief about the finished work of the cross. So this is in your notes. We try to live in the new covenant while operating in old covenant principles. And they don't work very well. If we'll get results in our prayer, I believe we'll, it motivates you to keep praying. It's just like, If you go exercise, you start getting results that motivate you to keep going. But every once in a while, we'll hit it and we'll get an answer. And we're excited, but we can't duplicate it because we don't know why we got the answer. We're not sure how it happened. And the old saying, even a blind squirrel can find an acorn every once in a while. We need to be able to duplicate those things that, that happen for good. Well, then we can't get to work, and that's when we make up theology to make us feel better. Well, God's trying to teach me something. Jesus never said, no, uh, no healing for you today. I'm trying to teach you something. He never did and he said, express will of the Father. In fact, so much he said, you see me, you've seen the Father. Now, what about if you're trying to find God's will for your occupation? There is a time, it doesn't say in, in the Bible, Bob, become a pastor. It doesn't say that. You discover it, but you do that in the secret place. You discover it through communion with him. And then you start hearing his voice and he starts leading you and guiding you. But I want you to know we're qualified in Christ. That was the major difference that happened from the old covenant to the new covenant. You're qualified in Christ. He has made you, he's given you an open invitation to go to the very throne room of grace and get help in time of need. You have an invitation to go before God Almighty, and you can call Him Father, and you can go to the throne room and speak with Him. Wow. Prayer's powerful. There's no one on this earth more powerful than Him. Oh, I want to meet this celebrity or this, this famous person or this. You have an open invitation 
to meet with God anytime you want, 24-7. You'll not bother him. You'll not wake him up. He'll not be surprised. He'll not say, close the doors. Bob can't come into the throne room. We're closed. I'm taking a break. I need a break today. I'm tired of all these people coming up in the throne room. Get out of here. He'll never do that. Aren't you glad? You're invited. Open invitation. He's saying, come boldly. Come on. Come on. And once you start this, there is a warning, I should say. It's addictive. Getting in the secret place of him is addictive. Now, I'm not saying we don't. We, we're to pray all day long. You can have a dialogue and talk to him all, all day long. But there should be some, some time where your concentration is totally on him that you can receive from him. And it might be in the car. You might have, uh, get up early and you're in the car. You know, the car can be a great place to pray and commune with God. We can get close to God our Father. Remember the Old Testament, Israel was trembling. They didn't want to meet with God. And they said, Moses, you go. We'll, we'll stay down here. You go. You remember Moses saying, Lord, I want to see your glory. And God put himself in the cleft of the rock. And, and Moses saw, saw his hinder parts. That's all he could take in the Old Covenant. He said, I'll show you my goodness. You want to know what the glory of God is? His goodness. He saw his goodness. But not us. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says, For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God as seen in the face of Jesus Christ. I don't have to go have someone as a go-between for me. I don't have to go to a, a, a priest, a, a man, I can go straight to God myself now. In fact, he went ahead and made me a priest where I can go straight in. We're all priests of God. We're all kings. He's the king of kings. He's the priest of priests. But you are invited. Why? Because you've been qualified because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you. It paid the price in full. And now you can go before God even when you mess up and you need mercy, and you need help, you can go to the throne room. You don't have to go out and get your lamb and kill it and make sacrifices and, and try and get before God. And then they were trying to see what God would do. They were trying to talk God into things, but now we know what he will do because we have it written down. We have a covenant. We know what God will do. He'll do what he says in his word. Notice here, it says, we know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. What a better covenant than the old covenant. So much better. The face of Jesus. To seek his face, to see his face. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 9 and 10, it says, for if the ministry of condemnation... This is speaking of the Old Covenant. And in one place, it's called the ministry of death. 
the ministry of condemnation, had glory, the ministry of righteousness, and righteousness gives us right standing with God, to stand before God without guilt and shame and inferiority, as if we had never sinned. That's the righteousness of God that's been given to us, and we receive it by faith. The ministry of righteousness, the new covenant, it seeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. He's saying if you compare the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the glory that was there, if you compare it to the New Covenant, it's like there's no glory back there. And there's some pretty amazing stuff that happened in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. But when you compare it, it's like there's no glory there. That's what we have. We have an opportunity to go before God and stand before Him and commune with Him. It's in your notes. Everything that God said was potentially ours became ours because of Jesus. What was potential before has now become ours because of the death, burial, and resurrection, because of the finished work of the cross. God has not changed from the old covenant to the new covenant. He's still the same God. The only thing that has changed is the terms by which you experience the covenant. Because of Jesus, God can deal with us differently. In fact, it says in the old covenant, we were servants, now we're sons and daughters. He went ahead and took you into his family. And now we, we call God Father. And he's a good, good father. I should write a song about that. <laughs> so you can take any promise from the Old Testament, make it yours, because everything we got is even better. Filter the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, through the cross. And remember, we're after the cross. So New Testament faith is not about trying to believe what God will do in the future. New Covenant faith or New Testament faith is about believing what God has already done in the past through Jesus. See, I'm coming in prayer for a whole different perspective. I'm coming that is finished. He's done it all for me, and he's made me a joint heir with Christ. It makes a big difference going to God when you know you're welcome, when you know you have the righteousness of God being given to you. And he said, I've already given you an inheritance. It's a huge difference. So prayer... Now, I'll get back to this a little bit, but setting your life in order, setting your heart in order, I, through prayer, I'm making a deliberate decision to set my life in kingdom order, setting my heart in order with what God says, his rule and reign in our, in our lives. So Matthew 18, 18, I want to read this from the Amplified. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, and the Amplified really brings it out where we can understand uh, what he's really saying. Verse 18, Truly I tell you, 
whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. Now, we talked about one of the meanings of prayer is to judge and reconcile. Judge and reconcile. And the word uh, judge, in this case, is just like in communion, you judge yourself to find yourself approved before God. And then reconcile. And we're talking about binding, loosing. We talked about putting on and putting off. And that's really done in prayer. It's really done in the secret place in communion with God. Binding and loosing is about alignment of your heart. Alignment of your heart. We, we need to decree, we need to declare what is unlawful, what is forbidden in heaven, unacceptable to God. We need to declare those things unlawful in our life. We need to forbid them from being in our life. So we put them off. We put out those things. We bind them and command them to go. We, we get them out of our life. We refuse them. And we put on Christ. We put on the promises, what God says, are ours. The inheritance, we put those on. So we loose the answer. We bind the problem, get rid of it, and loose the answer in our life. We receive what Christ has done at the cross for each of us. So when you're doing this in prayer, I'm evaluating my life in prayer. And you can get before the Father and you say, Lord, is there any place in my life that doesn't line up with your word? There's anything in my life that's unlawful, that's not, not uh, approved by you. So, Pastor, I don't have anything like that. Just ask your spouse. <laughs> and just pick one thing. Let me help you. Just pick one thing. And you look at your life and you say, this does not line up with my covenant and I refuse it. I don't tolerate it. Now, it could still be going on in your life, but you refuse it and don't tolerate it. And then you put on the answer. You loose the answer into your life. Say it's sickness and disease. I refuse that in my life, so I, I command it to go, and I refuse it. It's not a part of my life. And I put on, I'm healed by Jesus' stripes. You go through this, this process, and when you do this, God will start teaching you. He'll start showing you. How many times have you had a question for God, then someone else will be saying something to you, you recognize that's God speaking to you. The answer's there. I need to stop eating all the sugar. <laughs> when the answer comes. Because God will start leading you and guiding you when you're in a secret place in communion because we want to be like Him in our behavior. We want to work out our salvation that's on the inside of us. But too many times we're praying like we're trying to get God to do something He's already done. 
We're trying to get him to do something he's already got written down in his book in the Bible that he's done. And we don't need to do that because we're, in a way, we're doubting the cross. So binding and loosing because we're free will beings. We make our decision. We put off, put on. We can choose the life of God in every situation or choose not to. You can default and just receive what the world has. But I want to get out of my life what God says has no right in my life based on the finished work of the cross. I want it out of my life. And I have the authority to do that because I bear his name. And I can take authority over. And that's how things start getting out of your life and you start putting on Christ. identifying anything in your life that's inconsistent with what you have in Jesus. Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. He's talking about us. We establish his kingdom rule when we say, I will not let this that is considered unlawful to you rule and reign in my life. So I forbid it, I reject it, I bind it and command it to go. And you rule in my life, so I loose your blessing, your promises. I do not, I reject anger, I reject that. It's not a part of the new covenant. And I loose the love of God in my life. And God takes your will and uses your authority and he starts working in your life. And he might say, you need to go to this person. And you need to tell them that you forgive them or ask them to forgive you. You need to go to him. You need to obey, but he'll give you wisdom what to do. So we make the choice. Jesus is my king. He rules in my life. We have authority on planet earth. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it's written, curses everyone who hangs on the tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We've been redeemed from the curse. You want to know some things that are happening in your life that don't belong there? Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. See what the curse says. It's the opposite of the blessings. It's one way to look at it. Everything good, they come down from the Father. That's If they're good things. I... Uh, I put some of these down, and you can just, just a part of them. Confusion is part of the curse. Pestilence clinging to you. To be smit uh, with consumption, fever, inflammation, fiery heat, drought, mildew. Do you know mildew's a curse? I command the mildew to leave my house. You will be pursued until you perish. The heavens over your head shall be brass. The earth under you shall be iron. Tumors, scurvy, and the itch from which you cannot be healed. Madness, blindness, dismay of the mind, dismay of the heart. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall be only oppressed and robbed continually. There shall be no one to save you. You shall betroth a wife, but another man shall lie with her. You shall build a house, but not live in it. You'll plant a vineyard, but not gather its grapes. You'll beget sons and daughters, but you'll not enjoy them. They'll be taken away into captivity. All your trees and the fruit of your ground shall the locusts possess. And it goes on and on. 
you don't hear it preached a whole lot as you. <laughs> but we've been redeemed from the curse. Now, the world might be experiencing the curse, but we're of a different kingdom. But you have to be the one that allows the kingdom to rule in your life by authoritatively making the decision, I refuse the curse. I reject it. It's unlawful. None of these things will be in heaven. So they, I forbid them from being in my life. And you start receiving the blessing. Those kind of decisions, though, are made in the secret place. A heartfelt decision. Then God's there to start helping you. All the curses have been declared unlawful. We think things happen because it's the will of God. God's sovereign. He let it happen. No, he didn't let it happen. God sovereignly sent his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem you and save you by shedding his blood on the cross. And now, from then on, what happened to you is because you let it happen because he gave you authority and gave you his word to us. Everybody say, ouch. But it's the truth. We want to blame God for all our messes. We do. I'm in this mess. Where are you, God? Why are you doing this to me? I didn't, I just, I don't know, I was just hungry. I just ate banana pudding. That's all I had for 21 days. I didn't know. Why are you doing this to me? I've gained 45 pounds. I just don't feel good. Why, God? It's your fault, God. You shouldn't have sent banana pudding my way. No. But that's what we do. He sent his son to the cross to qualify me for the blessings. He redeemed us and delivered us from the curse. So it's what we let happen. And then, you know, we get in the mess and we... We're not getting the answer because God's saying you need to take authority and speak to that thing. And we're, we get goofy, you know. Some crazy theology that's not in the Bible. And then sometimes uh, we get it right and then we want to take credit for it, our great faith. And then maybe you're doing right, you do something goofy besides letting God take it. You decide to just run with it, run ahead of God. You meet, you're believing for uh, a wife, and you believe God said this one, and you come up and say, hello, my name's Bob. God told me you're going to marry me. Goofy. She just marched you off the list. You don't do that kind of stuff. Can't tell you how many times somebody's coming. Well, God's told me you're going to give me five hundred dollars. Well, you didn't tell me. <laughs> that's control. That's manipulation. That's the wrong spirit. Okay, let me get back to this. Second <laughs> Peter one. 
Verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, do you believe that we have all things that pertain to life and godliness? We're asking and begging for these things. <laughs> but he's given it to us. That's, do we believe it? Well, why do I even pray if I already have these things? Well, we don't know how to walk them out. We, yes, we're healed by his stripes, but we don't know how to walk it out. Yes, he, he's called me to prosper. He's given to me the power to get wealth, but I, how do I walk that out? How do I live? It's called wisdom. Wisdom is the correct application of information. And God is a God who gives wisdom. So you ask him. You're asking him questions in the secret place. You're communicating with him. Now, is it okay to ask? Yes. He said to ask. But you ask knowing that you already have what you're asking for. And the Lord gave me an illustration. And you find this in uh, Mark 11, 24. Whatsoever you pray, uh, uh, pray, believe that you receive it and you'll have it. It's just, it's faith, believing that you receive it. He's giving you every spiritual blessing that's already laid up for you. Why is it in the spiritual realm? Because nobody can touch it there. If it was here, we'd mess it up. It's there. All you have to do, it's laid up for you. All you have to do is ask him for it. But here's the illustration, and I'll uh, get the other stop here. But when you go to the bank and you ask for your money, you're asking with confidence. Why are you asking with confidence? Because you already know it's there. You know it's there. In fact, if they say, you don't have no money in here, oh, wait a minute. No, no, the money's here. I'm not leaving here till I get my money. <laughs> There's some boldness come on you. But what if you're trying to talk them into some money? You're going for a loan. Hello, my name is Bob. Would you please, please, I need this money. And you got to go through all these hoops and all this stuff. They want to know everything about you. How long you've been alive. How long you've been eating and breathing. How long you've been working. All this stuff about you. And you're trying to get alone. But see, that's what a lot of people are doing in prayer. They're trying to, they're acting like it's almost alone. God, if you'll do this for me. I tell you what, I will serve you. He's already done it for you, so you might as well serve him. <laughs> and I've done that. I'm, I'm not saying stuff I hadn't done. Lord, if you do, if you'll get me out this time, I will serve you. Till next time. You know. So you ask, already knowing it's yours. When I pray for people for healing, I don't even ask for healing. I'm releasing healing. Thank you, Lord, for healing. Because he's already done it. It's not that we, we need healing. We need to know how to receive it. We need wisdom. We don't need money. We need to know how to walk it out, that power to get 
get wealth. Because he's already given us all things. So when you're coming at prayer from this way, it changes everything. And you start getting answers. You start seeing things happen because you're honoring the cross and the covenant that you're in. He said all the promises are yes and amen. He went ahead and said, look, you asked me, Bob, about this, this promise. The answer is yes. There's no no there. It's yes. Yes. And then he finally, he, he said, amen. Yes and amen. You ever had your kids just like, they asking you over and over and over. I've already told you that. <laughs> you got it. Quality of life comes from walking out what God's already provided for you. How do I put the word to work in my life? That's the wisdom, and that comes from fellowshipping with God. If we could get the right formula, we could get God to give us what we need, and we wouldn't have to change. That's what we want a lot of times. We don't want to hear about the changes, but you're predestined to change. God wants what he's done on the inside of you to come out of you, to show on the outside, and your behavior. Because people look at your behavior. They look on the outside. Grace is not automatic. It's received by faith. Stop there. If, if grace was automatic, everyone would be saved. And we have denominations that are built on that. Because your sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future, everyone's saved. No. <laughs> Don't work that way. Faith receives the grace. So secret place is a lot about getting our heart right. It's not so much about trying to figure out God's will or trying to get God to do something. It's communion with him working on our heart and seeing if there's anything in our heart that's unlawful, illegal, unacceptable to God. And then casting that off, then putting on Christ. And when you do that, your life will change. You'll not be the same. And God will start working with you, and you'll start hearing His voice. And answers to prayers will be coming here, there. It's not supposed to be a hit and miss thing. It's supposed to be we're receiving answers. He said, if you pray according to my will, you know that I hear you, and if I hear you, you have the petition that you asked. So we need to get some alignment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. God, you said that your house would be a house of prayer. And God, help us to see there's times that we need to take authority. You're waiting on us to take authority. You're waiting on us to give you access in, into our life. 
And God, you want our heart. Help us to evaluate our hearts, Lord. Places that need to change. Now, I thank you in the secret place. There's no condemnation. There's help from you. And we can walk out of these, these things that are hindering us and holding us back. If you never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, today's an opportunity for you. The greatest decision that you can ever make is to make him the Lord of your life. He is Lord. We say make him Lord. He is Lord. It's really receiving his Lordship. Maybe you prayed this before, but you're not living for him, and you know it. But today, you're ready to live for him. You're ready to have communion with the Father. No one looking around, if you lift your hand, we'll pray. Not going to embarrass you and bring you down here. We'll just pray. Yes, say that. Any, anyone else? Let's pray together. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the price that was paid. I receive the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You're my Savior and my Lord. I'll follow you. I'll live for you all the days of my life. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for taking my sin and my shame and all my guilt. Thank you for taking the curse for me. I give you thanks and all my heart and all my love in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said, amen. Let's give the Lord thanks. Thank you, Lord. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.